Hi everybody and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. For those who have watched the popular Netflix show, Last Chance You Basketball, you'll be familiar with today's guest. For those that haven't watched it yet, we highly recommend you do so. With that being said, we're excited to welcome John Mosley onto today's podcast. John is the head basketball coach at Eastern Los Angeles College, where he is helping shape lives through the power of sport. His energy enthusiasm and ability to take athletes from the most challenging of backgrounds and transform their lives was evident on the show. We wanted to dig deeper and find out more. John, welcome and thank you for coming on to the Golders podcast with us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Well, it's great to be on. It's been super busy, uh, but, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to speak with uh, several uh, people like like yourself and podcast. Um, we're still in a Zoom uh, state right now, so so I, I have a lot of time. Uh, they haven't really opened up a hundred percent here in Los Angeles, so I've been spending most of my time here or with the kids. So from that from that standpoint, that that's good. I like to be back in the in the gym and the facilities with to do what I love doing. But uh, for now, I'll take this. We're thrilled. We're, we're fortunate that we can have you here. Now, John, first question to us, Goldust is about sprinkling particles of knowledge to help people. What does Goldust mean to you? Well, just kind of taking a look at what, what you guys or how you guys see it. Uh, I mean, ultimately, we, we, all, we, all have, uh, we all have something that we can pour into, into others to help them. And what I have to offer is, you know, of, of my faith and of my knowledge of basketball and, and, and also the knowledge of how to respond the right way and move forward in life so they can have successes, so they can have great careers or move on and, and, and be educated. So the young men and the people that I deal with that come to me, we're talking about students, we're talking about those that, that uh, are looking to be educated from a two-year standpoint and then move on and go to a four-year university. So my goal is to help push them out the door and get them to that four-year university. And so I'm, I, I usually like when you're talking about sprinkle, the, the thing that's most important to me is making sure I give them uh, those doses of things that can help them be successful so that they, don't, they can have less failures when they move on. So I don't mind them having failures with, when they're with me, but I wanna make sure that they prepare that when they move on, they can have success. So anything I can offer to them is, I, I guess we could take it as, as sprinkling. I, I want to offer them what I know is going to be successful at the very least, what I know uh, they're going to learn some things on their own, but what I know uh, based on, you know, I'm 47 years old, based on the history of me helping others move on, what I know is going to help them be successful at the next level. And then there's some times when they want others, other things, you know, like, you know, like Deshaun I had that was in the show, he, his mom passed away. He needed to understand some financial things. 
Uh, and so whatever I had to offer, I was able to, to, to be, to be able to offer that to him. Talking about the show, John, you recently featured on a very successful Netflix docuseries called Last Chance You Basketball, where you coached a, a two-year college, uh, Los Angeles, called Eastern Los Angeles College. Some of the kids you coach are, have had tragic personal stories, some difficult economic circumstances, some may have behavioral problems. Mm-hmm. What is it about working with those type of characters that give you the buzz? Well, I see, I see myself. So I see me. I mean, I was that kid before, and I, I think I was sharing the other day. You know, sometimes I'm 47 years old, right? But I was 17, I was 18, I was 19. And every year I mature. So like every year I mature, I become less tolerable. So I, I don't want to tolerate this, this, and but I have to remember what it was like to be 19 and 20 and I, it, the, the, the new kid that's walking to the, through the door. So next year, when a new, uh, a bunch of uh, new students or kids come in, guess what? I'm, a, I'm, I'm again going to be a year removed and every year I'm a year removed again, because guess what? I'm a year older, but it's the same 18 year old young man that walks through the door. And so I I have to, the one thing I wanted to make sure is I didn't want to be the old guy uh, that, that lost touch with every, I didn't want to be the old dad pulling up his socks, you know, the, the socks with the, uh, the working shoes, you know, and wearing some shorts. And I got these, these black uh, socks and, you know, the loafers on, I didn't want to be that dad. So I didn't want to be that old guy. So I, I try to remember, I see myself in everybody that comes in and I remember why he's acting that way or why he's acting out or why he's responding a certain way. And so I think the biggest thing is, is we got to remember uh, that it's the same irresponsible, uh, maybe poor responding young man or young lady or whoever is walking through the door and we got to go back and meet them. We don't lower our standard, but we have to go back and have that conversation with that 17 year old. Yeah. I love that. I love it. And I touching on that. So in that season that was shown on Netflix, the 2019-20 season with with Elac, you talked about how powerful that group was and how you learned from them. And then you've just touched on it there. But what did you learn about yourself from coaching that team? You know what? Everybody, they kind of, it, it's kind of what we do. I've learned that we, we need to continue the work that we're doing. I was surprised that everybody was excited that, wow, you're so passionate. You're, you're caring. You're helping these young men. Great job. And I just didn't feel right getting all of the, the celebration. I don't feel right uh, because that's what we should be doing, right? I mean, I have a job. I'm a teacher. I have a career. I have a salary. That's what we should be doing at the very least is trying to help others. And so it was, it, it, it was, it's kind of rewarding, but it's kind of sad to see that we need more of it. And it kind of put a burden on my heart. Like, man, I, I need to make sure that I don't ever come out of this role of making sure I help others because I'm looking around and everybody's saying, this is so great as if I'm the only one in the world that's trying, that's impacting lives. And I'm like, 
that's it's it's it, it, what I've learned is I need to continue to do it and I, it was a level of conviction to see myself and say I need to I need to do it more because although everyone else is saying hey that great job you did I saw some flaws in like what I could do better and how I could res- you know respond to even the players or adversity better so I, I kind of learned that we, we 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 need to continue to work nice to be able to reflect on past practice that, that's what good learners do that's what we do as people mm-hmm. or people that are very proactive to want to help and develop and care for our young athletes but on one of the episodes you stop the practice you get the boys to the baseline it looked like they were going to be doing suicides mm-hmm. and you walk around in silence for over eight minutes mm-hmm. what what was what was taking place what was that all about? Why walk around in silence for so long? Yeah, well, you know what? There was a moment there where initially, yeah, my first reaction to discipline was, okay, everybody is on the baseline. So that initial that initial response, the players know that, okay, we're going to be disciplined for whatever action that took place. But in that moment, so I, I start to walk and I just don't like the vibe that's kind of in the gym, right? So I just started to pray initially. And then I think to myself, and all during this, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, uh, and normally my practices move like this, right? So it was odd for the practice to pause that long. But what it did is it allowed even those players to reflect. It, it allowed me to reflect for a moment. And I was thinking in my mind, from a, from a coaching standpoint, I was like, ah, this is not a good time to run them. I responded quickly and I said, okay, go get on the line. And I was like, ah, I really don't want to run them. So we really didn't run. But what did happen is, you know, for me, I, I stood and I prayed for the players. And then I walked around and I said, okay, I don't want to run them. What do I want to do? I'm sitting here thinking, but then, uh, as it started to go on, I just said, you know what, I'll just let it go on and let them take a look at themselves, you know? And so I think that kind of happened. It went from all of them saying, hey, we're going to run. Coach Mosley's upset. And, and also I kind of looked at their disposition and I actually felt like that running them at the moment wouldn't have worked. So I kind of was like, I can tell that they kind of were like going to just go through the motions with even that discipline. And, and they weren't going to respond. So I just had to pause, like, what can I get them to do to respond? And so I'm walking. And so ultimately, now they're reflecting. Now they're waking up, kind of looking like, okay, what's wrong with this guy? Is he crazy? You know, like, and as they're looking and, and they're, now they're starting to reflect on their own. And as if you looked in the video, they even started to have questions like, no, he's going to run it. So immediately they said, oh, he's going to make us run. And then they started to question each other, like, what's going on? Why is he, what is he doing? And then immediately, essentially, they started to kind of take their head down. And you can see they kind of reflected on individually. And I think I got the best response because right after it, I just said, you know what, let's just go and start again. And the disposition the posture, everything changed and they started to go. I think they had a time, time, that was a long amount of time for them to just reflect. And it was unscripted. I didn't say, I'm just going to stop and let them think. 
it was just a feel. And I think sometimes in leadership, that's just a feel. You got to kind of take a temperature in the room. And it was just a feel. The feel wasn't to run them. But I responded quickly and said on the line because I was going to do something to discipline them. But then at that moment, I thought, yeah, running them is not the right thing to do. So I prayed and asked, hey, what should I do? I just kept walking and that's just what happened. So I think as leaders, even as parents, sometimes it's a feel. Sometimes it's not always discipline. Sometimes it's not always uh, screaming and hollering. Sometimes it could be, you know, like they say, silence is golden sometimes. And at that moment, I thought the silence was golden and it, it, it served its purpose. And, and as I walked and I thought and I let them think and I let us all just, everybody from coaches to everybody's just looking around. First, the shift went from the discipline, then the shift went to me, like, why are we walking around? And then the shift went back to everybody self-examining. That's, that's what I saw. And then as they all self-examined, they kind of were like, well, what are we doing, man? We should just, this, we want to play basketball and we want to play the right way. And then I think that, that that's kind of what happened. And I hope that happened. And, and it did. And it, that wasn't scripted. I didn't say I'm going to wait eight minutes. It just, I felt right there at that moment. Now it's time to start again. And you, you touched on there about the silence is golden. That was one. And about feel, feeling or getting a sense. Now for you, when do you know or how do you know it's time to get fired up and yell and project an abundance of energy versus the time that you have to just stay quiet and leave it to the players? Well, you, I think you got to know the history of what's going on. I think uh, what I invest in as I invest in the relationships. So I spend a lot of time understanding what a lot of the players are going through. And if I think it's a moment where they're just being selfish, uh, because I know what's going on. I know how life is going at that moment for the most part, then I'll take <clears throat> some discipline action. But like we look at a Joe Hampton or Deshaun or those guys and they respond a certain way. Well, you know what? I, I know exactly what's going on. I know what's going on in their lives. And a lot of people would say, well, why are you letting him act out that way? Well, I, I knew what happened. I knew what's going on for that month. I knew some of the legal issues he's going through. I've taken the time to invest in what's going on in his personal life. And I knew he wasn't going anywhere. He, he just wanted attention, right? I'm quitting. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. You know, he just wanted attention. He wasn't going anywhere because I knew he wanted this so bad. But what we have to do is teach him how to respond the right way. Uh, and so I'll let him act out. And then he self-examines and kind of takes a look at himself. And then I'll get a moment and say, man, you, you got to respond better. When you move forward in life, you're not going to be able to respond this way. I'm patient because I understand and I know what you're going through, but you're going to be in a space and a place where they don't care what your life is like or what's going on at home. You're going to have to perform. So let's help get you through this. Uh, and so that's what I invest in is the relationships. And if I know what's going on, because think about it, they want to play basketball. So why would he, why would they act selfish? Why would they act this way or that way when they know it's wrong? It's their way of getting attention or it's their way of crying out for something else. And that, that, that's what I believe. To me, it, it basketball, like I say all the time, it reveals. I can see how great those guys are when they play. I can see their, their intentions. But then when they, they have a reaction that's outside of playing basketball, like they get upset 
and it takes them and it pulls them away from basketball. And I'm like, no, they want to play basketball. So what is going on that's trying to steal them from what their true joy is? There's something usually going on, but that's their only way of getting, of crying out is to cry out in, 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 in a way that, that we can all see that they have all a lot to lose. He has a lot to lose. So why would he cry out in this moment? Because he wants us to know what his story is and what's going on. And so I think that's my way. That's how I approach it. I, I'm trying yeah. to figure out the story of why they're crying out and why they're, why they're sabotaging themselves. Getting to know your players, get to know them as a person first. Yeah. Then get to know them as an athlete. Obviously, there's a connection there, and I see that through your answer. But you come across as a coach who is passionately cares about his players. But at what point do you let, let them go? How do you know when each time it's time to release you? Well, that's when they give up on themselves. So when they walk out the door, that's when there's nothing else I can do. Because I'm not giving up on you. You can do whatever you want, whatever. Uh, of course, if you're a detriment to the team. So, like, Joe was never – he was poorly reacting, but everybody loved him. They liked him. So you can be a detriment to others. And then that is a moment where I have to say, okay, you're hurting – you're hurting the majority. You know, if you're just hurting yourself, then that's, that's one thing I can, I can kind of help you out of that. While you're kind of cutting yourself, let's help you out of that. But if you're cutting others – while you're, you're cutting yourself, I can't help you out of that and still allow you to reach and cut others because you're going to still cut yourself while I'm trying to talk you out of it. But I have to, you know, we say, okay, stop cutting yourself, stop hurting yourself, stop hurting yourself. But when you start to hurt others who don't really deserve that and who are, you know, maybe doing well or doing things, then, then yeah, there's, there's some cases where I have to do that, hmm. where, where, where you have to do that. It hasn't been often because for the most part, um, we, we try to be fair. And I try to let them know that each is not greater than, than one or the other. And so there's no reason to cut someone else because they're getting more attention or they're getting more love. Everybody gets the equal amount of love. So if everybody gets equal love, then there's no reason to reach out and harm someone else. So usually it's, it's someone that self-sabotages. And the only way I really give up on you is if you walk out the door, because I'm willing to help you. Because if I don't, guess what? When you, if you walk out the door, if I'll get, get rid of you or put you out, if I'm the last straw, like they say, the show is the last chance you, if I'm the last person that gives you, puts you on this stage, this platform, if I'm, and, and gives you an opportunity to elevate yourself, then it's, it, and you walk away from that, then it's going to be tough to have success. And I've seen guys that have, I mean, I can count on one hand in my nine years as a head coach, you know, I've done this for over 20 years, but as a head coach, nine years, I can count on one hand guys that walked out and those guys that have walked out. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen where they've made progress. Usually they've given up on themselves. And, and some guys I even go reach out and say, Hey, how you doing? What can I do to help you? And they still want to give up on themselves. So that, that's the only way, man. I, I, I won't give up on you. You're not going to fail on my watch. That's, that's my mission. Yeah. So what guided your beliefs around your approach to coaching? You know what? I, 
there's two things uh, from a basketball perspective and kind of what I've gone through. I've kind of been an underdog. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the tallest. So I was a small guard and I had to fight for everything. It was kind of underdog. You know, the underdogs always feel unappreciated, you know, and uh, not as, you know, uh, not as appreciated for the, the, the little things that you do. You know, usually some there's other people that get celebrated that things that are more flashy, right? Not celebrated for the hard work, uh, the grimy, the tough things that that you do and you go through. So, I kind of always had this underdog chip on my shoulder, you know. Um, and I tried to live a upstanding moral life. And and what's interesting is, you know, I, I try to get hired at certain places or be a coach certain places or different things like that. And wouldn't get hired because I was kind of like a good guy. It was almost like you had to be a, it was who, you know, and had to be, so I still carry this chip on my shoulder. That's, that's, that's one. And so I, I take that with our players and I say, look, man, you know, we got to have this, this attitude of, of mm -hmm. conquering the world and conquering those, those thoughts and those things that are in our mind that's preventing us from being successful. We got to beat all the odds uh, when everything looks dark and bleak, we got to know that there's, we got to bust through and create our own light. And so that's the attitude I try to instill. And we see that, that passion and that, and I, and I realize if you let up just a little bit that <clears throat> the mediocrity can creep in and that, that, that one step backwards, uh, even though we're still moving, if we move at a slower pace or, or less urgent pace, we can miss that door of opportunity. So you never know. I, th I just think we got to go, 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 because guess what? Even though we see the door open down there, man, before we get there, it can close. So I'm like, while it's open, let me, let's hurry up and get there and let's get through the door. That door may close. It doesn't guarantee the door is going to stay open until I get there. So let's get there and let's have that attitude. And then number two is my faith. And I think, you know, uh, I'm a believer, you know, that, you know, the Lord had grace for my life and he allowed me to 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 change my life and the sin issue that I had you know living wrong and being promiscuous and uh having a heart that wasn't righteous he allowed me to to change and he came into my life and changed and he had so he has a heart of compassion and he died on the cross for my sins and kind of the the attitude I take like I was such a lost puppy man I was a lost soul but I I came to to know God and because of that he sought me and he came after me and he allowed me to know him. And, and, and now his, his, his spirit lives in me. And so that's the spirit of compassion that he has for others. And we, we have to take an active stance and we got to kind of reach out to him as well. He's there for everybody. And so I take that approach. I don't force it or shove it down anybody's throat. But if you ask me, I'm going to tell you, that's, that's kind of where my heart, my passion comes from is, is the faith. Uh, aspect of it and I have to have compassion on every young man that walks through the door or anybody I come to come across that has these that's hurting or has some type of burden or anything you know so th there has to be a heart of servant uh, a servitude and so the least I can do is try to help someone else and have the compassion for others and serving others um, what what good is it do to just self-serve right and just build myself up and create all this and, and then get to the top and then there's nobody up there with me right uh, I think it's more fulfilling for me to see guys move on and have success at the next level 
that's what brings tears to my eyes is that, you know, you know, they were building this story up about winning games and about winning the state championship. You know what? That was their narrative. But my narrative was to make sure that all those young men got their education. They learned these valuable principles to move on and and learn how to respond the right way in life because they're going to be men like legit. They're going to be legit men in a couple of years where there's no mommy, daddy. I tell them that you're not going to be cute anymore. You, you won't be cute anymore. We're cute to grandma and Paul, Paul, everybody's cute. Right. You know, I mean, Dave, you're even, you're cute to, uh, to Keith, right. You're, you're cute to him. You're still cute, but at some point we're not going to be cute anymore. And, and, and the whole world is going to look at us and like, what do you have to offer and how are you going to respond? And the world is going to say, how can you help our company be better? How can you, you know, help us? They don't care anything about you. And we got to be prepared for that. So that ultimately my heart is, is burdened to help all those young men. They have the tool, they have the gifts inside. They got all these diamonds inside, but the problem is chipping away at all of the, the, the stuff and the pressure that's around them that's uh, callous their hearts for whatever they've gone through, their abuse or whatever they've gone through, they're calloused. And we just got to chip away so that, that diamond can come forth and then they can go be successful in life. When you, you refer to this diamond, you're actually empowering when you're working with players. And, but in a coaching context, John, what does empowerment mean to you? And what does it entail? Yeah, I, I think there's freedom. I mean, we're all in a box, right? And then we all have our little freedom within the box. I mean, we're under government. We're under our, our the CEO. We're under our corporations, we're under our supervisors. But then I think one of the, the most creative things you can do for someone is still allow them to be themselves. And so when you, you ask, how can Joe Hampton just act out that way? So we have this box and he knows the four walls. He knows the parameters of, of how, what he needs to, to do in terms of East LA College, this is what's important. Now, I can't have too many rules. If I had too many, if I had enough rule, if I had a lot of rules, I wouldn't even have a team because I'd be kicking guys off left and right. So I got a handful of rules, which is my small box, right? And then within that box, there's the freedom to be leaders. There's the freedom to have poor responses. And so we got all this going on inside of this box. And how can we change these, these responses? How can we change and help direct your your behavior inside this box so that when you, you get outside of this box, that now the empowerment that you have within this box is kind of, it's, it's matured. And now that you can, you can go out in life and you can be leaders and you can be uh, whatever your calling is, whatever your passion, whatever your purpose is, and you can do it with purpose. And you can feel comfortable with who you are, step out and lead and, 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 and be empowered to empower others. So I think when you when you talk about uh, empowerment and, you know, sometimes we have to create this level of discipline and within the discipline, empower them to to shape, help shape who they are and to uh, be leaders, uh, empower them with different roles within, you know, the small little box that we have. I think they were, you know, they were empowered in different roles. Some 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 have lesser roles, um, but helping them understand that that's a powerful space that you need to be in as well. And uh, I mean, it, it's, it's something that that's really kind of dear to my heart because I, I see all those guys as being leaders. And, 
I want to make sure that they 100% uh, prepare to step out and, you know, be empowered to live out their purpose when they step outside of this box. So, yeah, uh, we, we keep them in this box, but we empower them. Uh, we allow these young men to, to express themselves and then kind of bring them back and kind of chip away at some of the things that uh, may harm them or hurt them as they step outside of the box. But then once they step outside of that box, hopefully we're prepared after a year or two of spending time with us. You talked about, so that box that you've got and the challenges that you have, the challenging players or situations that you deal with, what strategies have you used to get them back on track? Everyone has to have a carrot, a carrot, right? There's a carrot you can dangle for everybody. Everybody wants something out of the deal. Okay. So I think, it goes back to the relationships is finding out not only what, how they learn, uh, finding out what issues are they dealing with, but then finding out what they really want. Right. So I think if we can figure out and find out what they want out of life, what are some of their goals? We got to take a vested interest in what are their goals so that I can constantly remind them, wait, hold up. I see a poor response here, but we talked about the goals. And here's what it's going to take for you to reach those goals or those dreams, right? And then you have to have stories. And I think I shared the other, you, you want to have those stories that you can share of other successes. Now, when you first start, you really got to push and share this dream. And I think you got to make them all dreamers of where they want to be and then share with them like, hey, here's what it's going to take for you to get that dream. Didn't you say that's what you wanted? We had that conversation. When I recruited you, when I talked to you, when we had that one-on-one, -on -one, this is what you wanted. Come here, man. I, I thought this is what you wanted. And so I think in, in order to get them back on track, we got to have that carrot that we dangle for everyone. And, and for the most part, a coach has a carrot. Everyone wants to play, right? And for me, everyone wants to get a scholarship afterwards. So I have that carrot and I say, this is not going to get you the scholarship that you, that you desire and that you want out of life, you know? And I think, in, in investing your time to find out what exactly that the player, they can even say, I want a scholarship, but that might not be the issue. They may want to, they're just saying that because their parents want them to get a scholarship and go to college. They may want to just step out and, Hey, you know what, coach, I really want to make money. I want to be a movie star. I want to be, well, while we're in this box, here are some things. If you go and rebound the ball, this is going to help you be a movie star. Let me tell you why. Here's a story. Let me tell you this story of this player that came and did this. And then they moved on from basketball and they did this. Okay. They became a CEO or they became a director of, or a manager of a business, or they moved on and created their own business because they responded this way. And so I think the basketball part is easy, man, on the court. That's 10%. The 90% is all this stuff that I'm telling you. I have to sell Joe Hampton on, hey, we got legal issues. Let's talk to the judge. Really, let's get you out of this. If we can get you graduated and moved on, they're going to drop all the charges, which did happen. So this, that was the carrot for him. You know, it wasn't just basketball. So you got all these carrots that you got to be able to manage and dangle. And, you know, I think, you know, who has, the, has to deal with that the most is the professional professional coaches i mean all the players like the nba they're all making millions of dollars so what is going to motivate how do you motivate 
the players. If they don't have it 100% inside to do what they're supposed to do or respond the right way, you got to find all these carrots, you know? Uh, so I think knowing them and knowing what motivates them and knowing what their, what their end goal is and helping them get there, you can always use that to, to, to get their motors going, I think. Interesting response, John. We, we've written, uh, David and I co-authored a best-selling book, which goes into that, into the interconnection around personality. How do you get connect with your players? Mm-hmm. It's not about X's and O's. It's not about the tactics. It's about oh. the person first. So it, the, the book that we, we co-authored goes into that. Now, in relation to the game itself, do you tailor sessions to meet the needs of your players or... Do you organize practices to meet the demands of your basketball program? Well, when, when it, as it relates to basketball, it's, it's a basketball program. So uh, it's basketball and it's structured. It moves really quick and you're going to do it that way. Because if we're talking about performance, basketball performance, there's one way that's my philosophy. We're going to do it. And then there you go. That's how I know we're going to have success from a basketball perspective. If we're talking about individual uh, performance, that's another conversation where, you know, we got individual workouts outside. If your jump shot needs to be better, if you need to get better balance, if you need to get all those things that can happen on the, the summertime or the, or the break. But in terms of getting our team to perform better, when you have, when you're during the season, there's less time for individual basketball performance development. That is usually preseason or postseason individual development, but team performance holistically, all the lessons we learn as a team and how to come together and all that basketball wise, we, it, the, the practices are tailored. It, this is how we're doing it. Uh, if we try to tailor our practices and coming together uh, for each individual, we never get through it. We never learn anything. So no, it's just straight this, we move fast, we get through it. And before they can realize what happened, we're done and we're moving on to the next day. Uh, mm-hmm. As it relates to individuals and their individual needs, you, you got to take them side individually and you got to spend time with them to help them emotionally get there. For the most part, they all kind of will buy in especially when we've had a winning track record, you know, once you get a, it's the momentum, uh, they'll buy in for the basketball. The, the problem is getting, just fixing their responses to what we're asking them to do, you know, whether it's okay, one day I don't want to do it. Or one day I do want to do it. The execution, they'll do it. It's just, what is their response to doing it? That's really the hardest part. If they're learning the skill, that's the easy part. The hardest part is getting them to a place where they do it. They do it intentionally. They do it with good intentions. So with the sessions, you have, as we saw, the, the sessions are intense. But when you're actually taking them, do you are you looking to manage the session or are you managing the individuals within the session? So I say repetition is the key to success. If I started managing players and personalities during a session, uh, every now and then, and those are the moments you saw, I would break off and take a moment to make a point. But 90% of the time, I'm just going, 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 because guess what? There's 15 players there, right? 
And you may get two players that have issues that day. Well, we don't have time to stop and fix those issues because guess what? Tomorrow, two other players are going to have issues, right? And then if I stop and I tailor everything for those guys, now the practice changes. Meanwhile, of those four guys that screwed up, you know, those two days, there's still 11 guys that did the right thing. And so those 11 guys are suffering. So what I like to do is I like to just go tunnel vision, boom, boom, boom. Here we go. Okay. This is not your day. Okay, fine. If you don't want to get better today, fine. I'm not going to break off from boom, 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 go, 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 go. Cause guess what? That guy just had one bad day, right? So if I stop and tailor everything to get him straight, we lose the day with the other 14 guys. Okay, so he loses one day. So what? Guess what? The next day he comes back, he's fine. He's fine for 10 days. But to stop one day for him, you know what? Fine. Now, if, it, if it's habitual, okay, if I see that, there, that it's intentionally a distraction, yes, I will address it. But if it, I'm like, you know what? Sometimes I just ignore it. Let's keep moving. And I think a lot of times that solves a lot of problems if you just ignore the negative behavior. So I ignore it a lot of times. And you said, man, coaches just pout and complain. If I stop for every pout and every complaint, I would never get through practice. So I just put my blinders on, ignore it. And we keep going and we get through it. And you know what? Sometimes someone pouts for like what? One minute or two minutes, right? If I stop and address that, I can destroy the whole week. Create a negative vibe the whole week. But if I ignore his pouting and his poor body language, and he only does it for one minute and I ignore him, guess what? Eventually he feels left out and then he joins back in, right? He feels left out. And so I, I actually, we saw in the show a lot of reactions and all that, but 90% of the time I ignored that, okay? I ignored it. And I made them feel left out for responding that way. You're, you're, you're left out. And then all of a sudden they're like, everybody's moving. Things are flowing. Everybody's positive. I don't want to be left out. Let me jump back in. And so that's my ultimate strategy. If you talk about poor responses. And I think a lot of the, the young men that I get, they jump in, man. And you know what? They have no idea that I'm not going to, especially new guys. Like I'm not, like, I'm not looking at you. I could care less. If you want to take this day and you want to not have effort, fine. You're left out. And then we have this level of competition where it's so competitive that if you respond poorly, you're going to be left out of your opportunity. And so we kind of encourage everybody to kind of stay. Otherwise, you're going to be left out. You won't play. You won't get this, this, and this. So we, we kind of reward. We we, we celebrate this and everybody wants to be a part of it. And I think that's the best thing you can do is create that environment where they want to be a part of the fun. They want to be a part of the competition. They want to be a part of Coach Mosley Sullivan. I'll ignore you in a minute, the negative behavior. You know, you won't get any response from me. And I think, I think that's what we probably didn't see enough of in the show. I think even they were following me. They would see someone respond a certain way and they were seeing what I was going to do. I was like, man, I don't care. Hey, I'm just focused on the guys that are doing the right thing, right? 
I'm focusing on those guys. And now the guy who's responding poorly, he felt left out. That's why Joe Hampton, when he walked out and said, I'm out of here, I'm going home. I was like, okay, fine, here we go, let's go. And Coach Ken, when the wheelchair, he goes in there and he gets him out. And Joe was so happy. I know he was. He was happy that Coach came and got him because he really didn't want to give up. But I was like, okay. I looked at my watch. I was like, all right, let's go. And Joe walked out. He walked by me. He was hoping I said, Joe, where are you going? I was like, ah, let's go. Let's go to work. Fine. And then even Coach Ken, he came in the locker room and got Marquise. He said, come on, Marquise, we need you on the court. That's not your problem. And then Joe was, I know he was thinking in his mind, like, oh, my gosh. Like, they really don't care about me. They really don't care. No, I don't care when you want to respond that way. I, I don't have time for that right now. I have 14 other guys that want to do the right thing. So I don't have, I, we're going to, we're not going to let you. And I think that's when you talk about a detriment to the team. I'm not going to stop for that behavior because I would lose the players that day. So let's go, let's get better. Mm-hmm. And the players thought like, well, coach is, coach cares about us. He doesn't care about that. Coach feels like we can do without Joe. And so it makes the, the players, I don't lose the players now. The player's like, yeah, coach, we don't we don't need that. Yeah, good job, coach, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, John, for me, I, I watched the show. I'm not much of a – I don't really watch TV, but I have watched The Last Chance Shoes, and this one came on. I, I'm not a, I'm not a, ashamed to admit it. I finished it in two days. I just – I was absolutely hooked. And I have to say – that that bit that you talked about it was funny. I mentioned it to my dad previously that I learned from that. I learned from the behaviors. So, so players show negative behaviors and your way of dealing with them was different to what I may do and, and different to what I've seen before. And I, I thought it was such a refreshing way to go about it. And the way that you've just explained it makes even more sense. Now, like we said, we're mindful of time for, from my dad and I, we want to thank you for giving your time up today. Your energy is infectious on the show. It was, we loved it. And we wish you all the best uh, in, in the upcoming season. And look, at, we know you, you're going to impact a lot more lives. Whoever is in your, your company and your presence are going to be very, very fortunate. Well, thank you guys for having me. And I'm glad we were able to kind of connect and do this. I know you guys are on different parts of the world, right? All, yeah. So that was interesting. We were able to get together, but no, thanks a lot, man. And uh, yeah, send me information on what you guys are doing. I don't, I don't, I've gotten so much information, but now it kind of puts a face to, to what you guys are doing. So I can kind of read up on it. We will. Thank you, John. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast, and also you can visit our website at thegolddustcoach.com. Thank you, everybody.